I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to this week's episode of The Nero Show. In today's episode... Why is gravel racing content getting so popular and do we need to go down that route next year? What was the best gear we used in 2023? The best and the worst. Chris takes a dodgy lap out at our local crit. What's the etiquette involved in that? And Jesse has a big cry about today's plan's demise. What went wrong? All right, let's get into it. I feel sorry for Nicole. The baby was absolutely going and before I left and had a bunch of calls before I came here. And I was like, oh... Got to go film the show. She's like, don't leave me here. <laughs> you've just, yeah. And you've been able to no. walk out and close the door and forget about what's just happening in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll get back and you'll probably be asleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is a conversation I don't think, I, I'm, this is, I'm shocked that the Nero show is having this conversation. I'm shocked that this appeared in the show notes this week. But Jesse, I think, I feel like you have an announcement. Like, maybe. Is this is it well, is it this important? Um, how do I even what's the announcement here? Like I, I think I'm gonna have to embrace gravel. There it is. There it is. It's it's it. Like it's crossed there was and there was a a video that came out that for me just pushed it was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I, I, I can't ignore it anymore. I can't ignore it. What was the video, Jesse? T- talk me through how this has played out, because I want to go deep into where this where this places you going forward. Yeah. So it was Dylan Johnson's video, Do We Even Need Gravel Bikes? Why I Race a Gravel on a Drop Bar Mountain Bike. And I, that popped up. I had a look and I thought, okay, you know, very good video for those that are really into gravel. Pretty niche. Surely, you know, shouldn't get that many views. I mean, how many people are doing elite end of gravel that care about some Frankenstein gravel bike? Anyway, four days later... It's on 91,000 views. There are 91,000 people that wanted to see a Frankenstein gravel bike. And I, 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 it was just an astounding number of views, especially in comparison to what a similar road bike video would get. Yeah. So you go and type in Jonas Vingegaard's bike. So GCN Tech channel, that channel has 600,000 subscribers. Jonas Fingergaard's one by Cervelo S5. So it's a Cervelo. It's one by. It's the Tour de France winner. Two years in a row, 128,000 views. Dylan's video will overtake that uh, video probably in a couple of weeks. And then even Tade Pagacha, similar sort of thing. The, his bike review videos has been a few over the last couple of years. They're averaging between 120 and 160,000 views. For road bikes of what should be a, an audience... 10, 20 times the size, getting 
pretty much the same amount of views. I am that, that did it for me. Like I, I'm, I'm getting. If we're not we're doing gravel now because we're in a, operating a similar space as this, we're on YouTube. We're 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 getting left behind. I think if we're not doing gravel stuff. Well, half our not half our audience, probably the majority of our audience have just gone. Well, we told you so. Mm-hmm. Um, but the clamber, I think that's what it is. It's it's that clamber for for content around the gravel stuff that it's like it's turning into a bit of a, a tidal wave that that has shifted at this at this point. And there's there's so much like even just before we started talking about this, there's so much unknown here in in this space that YouTube's almost perfect for it. Okay. Yes. Can I can I dig into that a bit deeper then? I want your opinion on this. Is the gravel content, like that video in particular, getting so many views because the audience is like 90% engaged? Or are we still just making up excuses and actually the size of the audience that care about gravel is just bigger than we're giving it credit for? Because I don't want to dismiss the the views this is getting as just, oh, well, everyone that does gravel cares a lot. It's still a niche. Uh, you know oh, what I mean? I, I don't want to just yep. be like, oh, no, it's just a niche. No one cares. If actually the size of that audience is as big as these views, these videos get would, would reflect. What, what do you think there? I actually hadn't approached it like that. And you're, you're right. I think, I think I have a massive bias here that is probably, if, I, if I'm honest, is probably coming from the angle of, oh, all these gravel people are so insane and just so into it. They're watching the video five times. Mm-hmm. That's why it, it's, it's so popular. Mm-hmm. Whereas the reality is probably that the population of people doing it is just that big. And mm-hmm. I've got to face that reality. That's, I'm, I'm coming to terms with that too because it's, quite, it's a bit of a cop-out to say, well, that video just gets views because everyone that does gravel probably watches it, which is kind of the cop-out roadie answer. Whereas I, I think it's gone, it, it has gone beyond that. Now, that, that video was just, as I said, just a highlight of that. I've seen it as well, coaching-wise. If you're about three years ago, it was rare that someone, just the average racer, would do would do gravel. It was sort of, there was a few of them, but it wasn't big. I would say now, even in Australia, if you're someone that's racing in the road scene, you would probably be, I'm going to say in the minority, if you're not doing at least one gravel event in the year. So it's gone from, from what I've seen personally as well. Rarity, maybe let's say 10% to probably 50% of races are going to enter a gravel race. Um, so I've seen it as well. It's not just in the views that these videos are getting. I, I can see the, the, the title pull is, is real. I can't ignore it anymore. And there's also the thing of, I know this uh, kind of sounds lame, but I think we're undervaluing almost the celebrity status a bit of these lifetime Grand Prix guys. And I, especially in, in the US, they are, again, it's kind of a cliche term, but they're a bit more of a relatable rider. Like to them, to people that see them, they're able to go to events where these people are actually doing the same event as them. That's a that's a very relatable athlete to, to have in your space. 
how relatable is a domestique on a world tour team? Probably not so much. Hmm? Yeah, it's really true. Yeah. But this, so the thing I still can't quite get my head around, and I think we have to accept that the audience for Gravel is probably bigger than we think. Or at least I'll speak for myself. It's probably bigger than I'm giving it credit for or have given it credit for. As I said, this is my, this is my coming out. This is my <laughs> admitted to that. But you'd still have to think, based on the numbers that are interested in road cycling, it's still, in terms of viewers, it's still got to be, you know, I'm not going to say like, you know, I said 10, 20 times. I just made that up. But it's massive. I mean, road mm. cycling, the Tour de France is massive. It's huge. So where are all those people? Why aren't they on YouTube? You know, where, where is all that road demographic that aren't seeming to engage, at least on, on YouTube? Like, is, are they just older and they're not, you know, they're not oh, on you YouTube? It, okay, so you think it's potentially a, a demographic shift? Well, there has to be because yeah. there is, you know, there's millions and millions and millions of people that watch the Tour de France, for example. But then you put up a bike of the winner's I put up a video of the winner's bike and it gets like barely double the views a gravel bike gets. So there's obviously the audience that are watching both those different types of racing are sitting elsewhere. And I'm just trying to think sort of where is the, where is that road audience? Cause they're clearly not sitting on YouTube watching equipment videos. I, and I, are they, is it, um, is it a cultural thing? I mean, is the big European audiences not, uh, do they not watch YouTube as much? But don't you think a lot of it, and I, I get this comes back to me being a little bit demeaning of the gravel crowd, but don't you think when, when it comes to specifically equipment stuff, like Dylan's video is discussing a potential performance advantage that is available to every gravel rider in the US going and doing gravel events. Here's, here's an idea out of left field that could improve your performance at the next gravel event compared to Jonas Vingegaard's Tour de France winning bike. Okay. It's got one by, but it's, I think we've all been around the traps long enough to realize that that's not a dramatic performance variant one way or another. So there's more, there is more potential for people watching that video to actually come away from it going, you know what, I'm going to put a suspension fork on the front of my bike and go five minutes faster next year at Leadville. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, 100%. I'm with you. I still don't quite understand why the m millions of people that would watch the Tour de France wouldn't care to watch an overview of the bike on YouTube. Like, what? yeah, I, I can't just to think about in more detail where that demographic is. I mean, why aren't they watching? They don't seem to be watching YouTube. <laughs> no, it's a, that's a damn good point, and I don't have an answer for it. I yeah. think this is... This, this is sounding like a chat where we're going to end up getting a guest on and actually getting someone who knows what they're talking about. But um, so you, you have come out. This is, this is, this is massive well, Nero Show audience. Well, it like, has implications for the Nero Show because yeah. I'm sitting here going, well, if this gravel audience is pretty much matching the road audience and currently we're mostly road cycling, are we – Am I just going to have to start racing gravel? Are you going to have to start racing gravel? And we're just going to have half the show be gravel? Because if the people are on YouTube wanting, the gravel racers want more gravel content and they're all watching it, why, why wouldn't we provide for the audience that is there waiting to 
I think I'm slightly different to you. I, I want to. I actually am quite happy to oh, go that route. Oh, you actually want to. Like, okay. I do <laughs> want to to ride and race gravel. It's it's. I've gone over this a million times, but the logistics stuff of it, the reality of training for it is something that is not a reality for me. That said, I, I do want to go and do a couple of events next year, definitely. Could you imagine that though? Oh, just just on the in terms of the show. Could you imagine in a year's time, will we just be doing just gravel chat? Hundred percent. If we lifetime Grand Prix chat, I'm not sure I, that. It, but I definitely the the core of what this show is is our experience riding bikes. And if our experience riding bikes is a couple of gravel races every year, we are going to. It's just going to float into. Our heads. We're going to sit down. We're going to start talking. I about can't it because imagine. Oh, yeah, it's blowing it? my mind thinking that we would be doing that. <laughs> it's just the furthest thing. This chat is always based on just what we would chat about when we go out for a bike ride. And if what we chat about when we go out for a bike ride suddenly starts becoming what tires are you running this week at Gravel Seven in WA, then it's going to find its way on here. You know, um, and and for you, honestly. I reckon, I reckon you go all in, all right? Because that, that's the way you operate. Once, once you go for something, you go for it. I reckon don't upgrade the TCR. Just keep running the rim brake TCR. Go full race gravel bike setup. Get a proper rig for it. Training-wise, you know, you can probably do the same stuff. Just maybe the odd I can sort the training out. That's, it's just, yeah. that, that's not a, that's not a I problem. I reckon fully go for it. National champs. Stripes, the whole deal. Right, here's my problem. Because I was thinking about this. Like, well, I'm going to have to, at this rate, I'm going to have to freaking get into gravel. Otherwise, we're going to be sitting here talking to three people mm-hmm. <laughs> about road stuff at this mm-hmm. rate. So um, I was thinking that, but I need a dummy's guide to gravel. I honestly don't know where to start. Okay, so obviously you got to get a gravel bike. What? I mean, what is that? Mm-hmm. As we've talked about, you know, you're getting bikepacking thing or... Do you get a CX bike, that, and then, so you need different tires. So do you buy different wheel sets and set them up with different tires or do you, do you, is it normal to just swap your tires? It sounds like a bit of a faff. And then what tires? Like, do you get 38s and 45s? I, I honestly, if I was going to f- get into full gravel racing next year, I would need to read you would. the literal dummy's guide to gravel. You would. I don't. If I had to go bike shopping for my setup now, I honestly would not know where to start. And in the interest of not turning this chat into just two, two, we're already <laughs> accused of sitting down and not talking, not knowing what we're talking about. Yeah. And to avoid this discussion going further down that route, I'm not going to answer any of the questions you just asked. Okay. And we're going to leave them open. Okay. And because I think it's a fair point what you made because. That is that is the decision that a lot of people will, will start thinking about making in this country. Probably most people in America have already made that decision. I, I, so I've just typed into gravel. <laughs> Getting started gravel, beginner's guide. Okay, um, so rest strap. Oh, that's a brand. I think they do those. Mm. So that everything you need to know about gravel riding, that's riding that I need racing. Gravel cyclist. Yeah, I think I'm going to need um, – I have to get a gravel expert on. I'm going to sit down and just go absolute – Dummies guide, what do I need? Yep. I think it has to be done at this rate. But you have seen it in some of the athletes that you're coaching now. It's, oh, yeah. It's, yeah, okay. It's, as I said, you know, if I had to guess, a third to half of people, if they were doing road racing, will in 2024 
or even 2023, they're at least doing a gravel race. It's it's now it's just the done thing. Like it would be, I feel a bit out of place planning. Well, I'm not planning my 2024 season, but for what my 2024 season potentially looks like, to not have a single gravel race now is I'm in the minority based on what I'm seeing. That's even more. That's even that's even in Australia where there's not that many gravel races on. In the US, it's it's gone beyond that. I would say. So who would you get on? People are going to say oh, you're going to get Dylan Johnson on. Okay, besides Dylan Johnson, who who would you get on to give you the the gravel racing 101? I mean, I can name other gravel athletes, but I don't know whether they're well spoken, and I don't know whether they're. I mean, yeah. Well, at least the ones that make videos or yeah. Actually, you know who would be quite good? I think that Ben Delaney guy. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's yeah. reviewing a lot of a lot of bikes. Um, he goes to a lot of these events. I think he was a road journalist. Um, I think he could probably step us through what what we need. That would certainly be yeah, I th- I think from an American perspective, he'd be he'd be pretty good. I can't think of I really can't think of anyone locally. Well, that's a good point. That seems to be a thing is well, you need someone that knows the Australian gravel. Because it's different from the US that's a good gravel. Point. So you He's recommending tires, but that's going to cover his the races he has access to. What you know, what's the gravel like in WA or Beechworth? It's probably different. So we we you need to have the local, the guy who's on the ground locally who's ridden the courses. I can say, yeah. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Big announcement today. Um, <laughs> yeah. What do you think? I'd originally thought that this was going to be sort of like. Best and worst gear of 2023 or some sort of chat like that. But I think actually what, what I want to talk to you about is this is Chris rationalizing all the, the equipment that he's used this year. Okay. What I've learned from it, mm-hmm. sort of wins and losses along the way. And, yeah, some pitfalls. So okay. can, I, can I start this off? Yeah, let's hear right. it. So um, a big thank you to the NeuroShow community. We've, we've come together as one. Over aero socks. I think I think 2023. Oh, ditching them. No, they're back. They're bigger oh, than ever. God. This is the thing. You I think 2023, the tipping point has now occurred. Now, <laughs> okay. I'm not proud of this. I don't think this is a great thing for cycling, but I think it's now reached the point that they're just acceptable absolutely every day of the week. So I've got two thoughts on this. To the point. God, I'm ancient. I'm just I'm not doing gravel. I don't like aero socks. I'm just, I'm done You'll with You'll be doing gravel in aero socks <laughs> yeah. next year. But uh, honestly, aero socks now have gone beyond the crit. They've gone beyond the, the road race. They've gone beyond the fast group ride. They are just in group rides now. Saturday, group ride, there will be a couple of people with aero socks. It's the reality. And I'm, I'm okay with that, all right? Okay. But where I yep. want to thank the NeuroShow community is... Those horrendous images of me riding around with ankle socks, which were originally aero socks, people suggested so many things. And two of the suggestions were, well, firstly was that Tenno spray, which is like a physio spray. You spray it on your legs before you go out. Works. And the other is the Fingers Crossed brand of aero socks. Have not had one ripple in those socks so far. So massive shout to that. You've said that as if they've almost sort of solved climate change. Yeah, they have. You know, that they, they've made a sock that doesn't fall down. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, this this was this was a big issue. This was a very big issue falling down aero socks. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. 
according to my Instagram DMs, <laughs> they were anyway. Okay, cool. Um, another big revelation for me this year was skin suits. I've made this pretty yep. clear. Um, but specifically the pouch situation on a skin suit. Now, obviously, the Nero suit does run that, and I've been very, very uh, um, impressed with that. It just the functionality of the skin suit, especially in hot weather. Yep. If you haven't tried a skin suit before, Nero suit, few left, go check the link. Only a few sizes left, but have a look. But, yeah, I mean, I've seen you've been running it. So what's the um, – yeah, in the hot weather – so less overlap between the jersey and the bib shorts, less stuff going on sort of over your back. I think that's what it is. I think it's the bib. It was the bib's the strappiness here. It just builds up more mm-hmm. more material and that kind of thing. You just get such good airflow. Mm-hmm. And because the flappy, you've got the flappy situation, you can unzip. Mm-hmm. There's no issues unzipping anymore if, if you want to go that route. So okay. definitely big, big fan of it. Cool. And the material's lighter. Yeah. It's just, it just is a lighter material. It's designed that way. Um, takes me into vibe riding. Vibe riding not possible without a good top tube bar. Tail fin, top tube bar has been an, another top tube win. Bag. Top tube bag, bag, sorry, I should say. Yes, yeah, so that's the, the singlet riding, not possibly standard. Top tube bar, in go your lollies, your headphones, and your phone. Away you go. Another rationalization has been back on Shimano pedals. Okay. I don't know why you ever went well, astray. I, I can tell you why I went astray because they don't look cool. All right. That's basically okay. anything to do with Chris. Right. Really. So it went to look pedals. Now look pedals look sick. They really do. Like if you're taking photos of your bike and you want the best looking pedal for a photo, look pedals. Amazing. I will say also like never, ever had a pedal strike with them. So that they were the aero blade ones. I could get away with some pretty dodgy pedaling through corners on those pedals and never had any issues with them. The, the biggest thing is you just the creak. There's the, the classic look cleat, cleat freak mm-hmm. would pop up. And also the cleats themselves, if you didn't get the ones with the gripper on them, which for some reason should they should just never be sold anywhere, they are an absolute death trap. Oh, yeah. One step in and you are falling yeah. over. You are tap dancing your way to the hospital. Been there. So this time last year, I then said I wanted to try time pedals. Okay, so I moved over to time pedals. Fine, all kind of going well. A couple of thoughts on them. Never had as many pedal strikes. I don't know what it is about the thickness underneath the shoe or whatever it is. It's got a low stack height, so I don't know what's going on under there, but I was scraping the shit out of those things coming around corners. Really, really dangerous. And kind of changed the way I took a lot of corners. Nice and light in the positive sort of route, nice and easy to clip in. But again, bearings wore out. I don't know what's going on in some of those. Mm. So I was getting less than two or three months, um, which they were replaced by where I bought them, but Great. I'm having to replace really? pedals yeah. all the time. No, so you didn't you. run the Speedplay Wahoo pedals? No. Okay. No. Yep. I'm never going to be bothered to go no. down that route. No. Um, and ultimately come back to Shimano pedals and realized, oh, this <sighs> just sort of work. Dance for nothing. <laughs> mm. And people talk about the float on the time pedals, but it wasn't really a thing for me because I run zero float pedals across all my bikes. So, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. The last rationalization – Okay, so, so the wide tyres thing, whatever, we're, we're, we're done and dusted with that. But I'm in a position now, so it, I don't want to run an internal rim width of a wheel less than 25 mil, nothing less than that. 
I went back to the DT Swiss wheels a month ago and there are 20 to 23 mil. It's a, like, it's a shit riding experience. I don't like it. It feels slower. It feels crap. So back onto 25 internals with, with a minimum of 28, with a minimum of 28 tire on there, sometimes a 30, which blows out even bigger than that. I just like never again. That's it. It's done. It's it's not even worth considering anything under that. Yeah, it's gone so it's it's absolutely gone so far. It's ridiculous. I I again, speaking of feeling ancient, I I need to get a bike that'll fit a a twenty eight blown up to thirty. Like being still on you know twenty five to twenty eights that aren't blowing up that wide. Like I'm seriously, it's 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 making a difference now for me. The sound of the tire, like. Is amazing. The the noise. It's remember that the disc wheel, whoosh, 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 like it's it's that kind of singing sort of noise that they make. Like those twenty eights when they're just blown out. I love it. Yep, done. I would like to see you on an endurance bike because you didn't, in the reality of things, change bikes that much because you just went to different versions of pretty much the same thing. And I would like you to to see you next year try an endurance bike, but not just try the endurance bike, but then mimic the position you've been in. I'd like to see you get the endurance bike and embrace it. Go and see Tom at NBC again. Get him to just just get the Grand Fondo fit, get more upright, and and try and change how you're riding a bit more. I'd love to see you go and do Snowy Classic next year, having done sort of four months of training, not worried about the aero position you're riding in. I would, I would like to see that. I want to double down on an aero bike and oh. get more aggressive <laughs> and uh, less and less. Yeah, I, I just – but I don't ride like that. Like I know you don't. I know you and don't. And I don't yeah. want to. Yeah, like I know. It's not something that – if – if we go when I go the gravel route, that's the setup that I'll I'll have on it. Like, if I go and do two or three hours ride around Macars, I don't want to be in some slop <laughs> upright <laughs> position. Like, that's not what I'm doing. Mm. No. Okay. And you talk about uh, they're not long rides. Yeah. What's not long rides? The ones like you even do. Snowy Classic. It's like four and a half, five hours. No, but in Snowy Classic in particular. Even going up to Perisher, if you, I honestly think if you were in a more upright position, you, you'd be going, you'd be going faster. And I, if you yeah. had trained in it, yeah, I do think, mm-hmm. yeah, constantly training tucked in, which obviously makes sense for most of the racing you're doing. Stick you on an endurance bike, nice and comfy. You've got, you know, there's 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 some what's to be untapped there. Just go back to just Euro Chris. Get back off. Get back over the bottom bracket. You don't suit air. Look how small you are. What do you need to be all aero tucked in for? You'll be right. That's my. That's my. That's that's for me. Well, I like it. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean that's fair enough. I'm telling you that you need to become a gravel pro. You can tell me I'm. I'm I should be becoming an an endurance mm-hmm. rider. I mm-hmm. I accept that. We'll see. We'll see. It's just kind of news in my space. Probably. Most of the people watching aren't going to realize, but there was 
for those that are using a training platform online, most likely is if they have a coach too, they probably use Training Peaks. Most of you listening probably have heard of Training Peaks before. It is by far the biggest, or aside from Strava, online training platform, especially for coaches to use with their with their athletes. There are a few other competitors. The next biggest one probably was today's plan. Did kind of a similar thing to Training Peaks. Um, about four years ago, it was purchased by Specialized. They did what they wanted with it, and now they've they're turning it off, mm. essentially. So basically, the biggest competitor to Training Peaks is being turned off in 90 days, completely switched off. Now, unfortunately for me, I ran my entire coaching business on there. So I have now got the painstaking process of moving everything over to Training Peaks. But it is it is fairly big news because, it, I mean, Training Peaks already had it was a, today's plan was a small part of the market. Training Peaks already had a monopoly monopoly on that side of things, and now it's even further. I mean, if I said to you, "What's a competitor to Training Peaks?" You, you probably couldn't name them. I mean, I know what they are, but you, you probably never heard of them. Final Surge, Training Tilt. There's a few others, but they're small fry, really. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's just especially when we heard of. GCN getting shut down, um, the the cycling tips getting shut down. This is another venture capital takeover. Let it sit. They close it off and ditch it. I mean, the fact that Specialized came in and bought this and did. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Nothing with it. Like, is that a fair comment? Like, uh, it, 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 they did stuff internally, so they used they used parts of it, and they used the team, so they got. I think they got their value out of it. Really? But the value they had wanted from it had nothing to do with the actual platform that you and I would go and use. It was it was stuff in the back end I think they were they were wanting to to use and, and the, the software, the team and the employees and things like that. Um, but, yeah, and, and now I think it's just a case of, well, we why would we be putting – we can't be – basically can't be bothered putting energy and staff and resources into maintaining that website now that we've – probably gotten what they wanted out of it and they just turn it off. So are there any realistic alternatives to training peaks? There is- are. There are. So the two I mentioned, the final surge, training tilt, there's, there's probably a couple others. The problem you have is when training peaks is so dominant, mm. firstly, most riders, if they've used a platform for, have used training peaks and keep wanting to use training peaks. So as a coach, it's an easier sell so, hey, I'm on training peaks because it's the most yeah. – people are most accustomed to it. And the other thing as well, because they're so big, 
they integrate with the most third party. So if you have a Wahoo, if you have a Garmin, and whatever X platform comes out five years down the track, Training Peaks will be the first person that mm. has integration with it. Your backwater online training platform will maybe never get that integration. If not, it'll probably be years behind um, Training Peaks. Today's plan was in that regard as well, which is why it was frustrating. Today's plan was probably second in line behind Training Peaks in terms of the number of integrations they had, which is quite important. You know, you want to link it with your Aura Ring and your Whoop and all that sort of stuff. So you, just from that sense as well, you, Training Peaks using it, you're, you're future-proofing them yourself. It's interesting you say that, that it was first in line. Um, I've been using my Apple Watch as my bike computer again for the last week, all right? Now, I've talked a little bit about this on the show Um pros and cons of it, but terraining peaks is one of the few at the moment, which are, you're able to push a native, um, workout out to the Apple watch to do your workouts. Um, there's, yeah, look, there's, there's some interesting stuff. It's, it's not a, I've said this before and I stand by it. Like the Apple watch is not a replacement for someone who has a Garmin or a Wahoo. It's just not, it's not a self-designed thing for that, but it does open up to a huge, I think uh, like 40 million a year or something that gets sold, totally different audience now have a working bike computer. And, and honestly, can I just quickly say this? So um, my experience of using the Apple Watch so far as, now I haven't been doing training, as you noticed, but I'm doing like, I'm doing rides and races and group rides and fast-paced group rides and that kind of stuff, that the data, the actual data is super accurate, like, and no, no dropouts, anything like that. In fact, I would argue the heart rate monitoring has been, in fact, last night it completely beat my Garmin because I'm running them side by side. My Garmin did the classic dropout. Actually, it wasn't Garmin's fault. It was the polar straps. Right, yeah. And it did a classic. I was doing Tuesday night Heffron at 66 BPM. <laughs> um, whereas I have not had the heart rate skipper beat, which blows my mind given like the position you're in on a bike and where this sits and all that kind of stuff. I just don't even know how that works as well as it does. So the data itself has been really, really good. Um, obviously there's a whole other issues like around. So you, it mirrors on your phone. If you, if you take the phone out with you, it does mirror on your phone. So you can use your phone as, as a bike computer, but then like the mounting solutions for that, like aren't as neat, obviously, as they would be from a, from a normal Garmin mount. Like you've got your quad lock stuff, but that's got to sit on top of a stem. So it's all a bit odd. Just on that, does the watch have a replace, a easily removable strap? So could you unstrap your Apple watch, mount it on something and then run it like a small Garmin? You could, but you would, then, you would then lose the heart rate. Oh, you would. Yeah. Okay. Which is, yeah. which I've got to say is it the actual well. like, the, to save you having to wear a heart rate strap. Yeah. Segments, well, not segments, sorry. The, the actual hitting a lap button on there is not too bad. And um, it's two, I feel like it's two features away from being legitimately, oh, I might consider using so this. So what's missing? So the mapping stuff, which I don't use that much. I mean, obviously knowing all the routes that we normally ride, but when you travel, that's an issue, but you can get around that with your phone because if your phone's out there in front, 
then you've, you've got solutions, mapping solutions. You could just run Google Maps or something like that or even just run Strava in front of you. Yep. But as a native incorporated, it's not there. And I know this sounds lame, but like the Climb Pro, Pro-E type stuff, like that is super useful when you're doing an event or you're riding somewhere that you're not used to. Like I was thinking if I go down to, to Adelaide, over to it and under, like, oh, it'd be cool. I could just run the Apple Watch and just do that. Like, Yeah. But yeah. would I, like, if I'm riding just with groups, I probably would. But if I was like, oh, I had two hours and I'm going to go do a Norton Summit loop with a backwoods of, what was the tea gardens or something, whatever that oh, thing is, yeah. I'd probably want to just have the route on there. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's that kind of close. But the fact that the data is accurate, like, that's the main thing as well. If, if it's recording heart rate, say you're wearing a heart rate strap, if the fit files are clean without dropouts, if it doesn't accidentally delete them at the end like a Garmin does, if it doesn't, if the battery lasts a long time. Battery's super. If, now does it have a lap button? Yep. Okay. So that, I can use that. But, so you're pointing to the one on the side. Yeah, the okay. action yep. button action is my button lapper. Action button is a lapper. Okay. Uh, you can now follow a structured workout on there from training peaks. Okay. I personally don't use that feature, but a lot of most riders, if they have a coach, will follow a structured workout. It's close. I think I would, I, I honestly think I'd run that. I, if, if, you know, if I wasn't doing a race where I like to have the map up, you just check to how far I am. So what's it like actually? So if you're doing a criterium, What's that like in reality of checking it? Is that fairly natural yeah, or is it hard? Is it it's a fine. bit? No, that's, that's fine. Okay. That, the glance with the, the big screen, so I'm running, running an Apple Watch Ultra, with that is actually quite, quite doable. There's, there's no issues around that. Now, I will, I will say that I've, been, I've only done two rides where I haven't run the Garmin as well because I've been running them alongside each other just to see if the data's good. So I haven't done a race Mm-hmm. without the Garmin out there. So potentially me actually doing that hasn't been happening as much as it would. So that's an Apple Watch Ultra. Correct. What are we running here price-wise? $1,200. Bucks. It's, not, it's not even that much more it's than a top-end Garmin. About the same as yeah. Garmin. yeah. Um, but the two experiences are very different. So there, there is the experience of running just the watch, so with nothing out in front of you, which is the perfect like endurance day happiness. Like it's, it is really, really good. Then there is the, the experience of having the, the phone in front of you. And so it will display, this isn't customizable at this point, but it will display just the ride time on your lock screen. So you don't have so there, there is a full bike computer screen available to you, which just blasts in front of you with the big iPhone screen. But if you choose the lock screen, it will just show like the ride time or something like that. Uh, are you saying if you you're mounting your iPhone? Uh, to be honest, I think that is crap. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see that as a path forward. I think the path forward's just going to be this. Yeah, that is I like agree. having a Wahoo on your wrist. I agree. Using a strapping your phone out, it's not going to be there. The thing I still probably would maybe have an issue with is especially for a lot of my rides, if I'm not doing a structured workout, obviously I need to be looking at it. I think that, yeah, I'm still not sure about if I'm sort of doing 400 watt efforts, you know, and then I'm like a minute and a half in sort of my on track. Impossible. That's that's. but I'd argue, see, that's where you then bring the phone back in where you're doing that effort. 
because you're dead right. Like I find to measure the first minute of an effort is really, really hard with you no reference point. St- yeah. 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 So what do you do as well? I feel like even when I'm not doing a, a workout or something where I'm strictly following the power, I use my wire who has a bit of a distraction. I'll have the map up, the speeds there, and I'm just thinking, like, what's it like on a ride? Probably every 30, 40 seconds, I'm looking down and just, oh, my arrow's pointing north. Just crap like that that just keeps the mind ticking over. And I haven't ridden without a wahoo for years. I feel like I would be looking down, getting bored, not having that. You would be surprised how quickly you do forget about. It. You're dead right. Is it? A, it's noticeable the first, the first couple of time rides. Though couple of rides, you're like, "What the hell? Where am I meant <laughs> to look here?" Absolutely. Okay. Um, I d- have managed to get over that. I'm I'm even worse because, and this is sorry, this is feature three that it misses. I am so invested in the Garmin Varia radar. I love the little dots with the cars coming up behind me. Yeah. I'm so invested in that that I truly, I think that's going to be the thing that gets me back on the Garmin. Um, there are workarounds where if, so if you had the phone out, you could open the Garmin Varia app and you could see the little guys yeah, there. But it's again, got the phone, I'm not interested. I would yeah. love, but then even if you had like a little um, haptic vibration, you're getting that too, probably too often, especially riding around here. So I haven't worked out how that sort of plays. So coming back to your point, because that for me, like I am, and I've got that big Garmin um, solar screen, and I'm probably staring at that with the big map and the, a lot. Are there are there sort of um, you know uh, Asian sort of companies that do that will do like an Apple Watch mirror device, like There's, almost like a second screen, like a second monitor that can just connect, and you could run that as great question. Don't know the answer. Could be so you can still have it reading your heart rate, and then you just have it mirrored onto your yeah. It's a real it's a real pity you can't broadcast the heart rate from your Apple Watch to a by computer. So I can't use the heart rate data in the Garmin file even though I know the heart, the heart rate data and this is more accurate than the Yeah, that's kind the, of annoying, isn't it? Polar one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Apple no, nah, no chance. <laughs> use our glorious <laughs> Apple Watch Ultra 2 as a heart rate strap. <laughs> How about no? Yeah, and things like things like efforts and intervals, the data that you receive yet yeah, is not there. Like, if if I hit interval, I can't get a good interval screen yet. I can't customize that to be, you know, what's my what's my average power in this interval, um, or, or that kind of stuff. It's it's not it's not really set up. Can, for that but you yet. can customize the workout screen while you're when you're doing the session. Yes, just not the summer the lap summary. No, no. So your your lap screen is not customizable enough with the data that we want yet. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's a write-off. It, it, <laughs> honestly, though, this stuff changes pretty bloody regularly. I'm surprised that's not a – I mean, you, 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 everyone likes to see different metrics on their workout screen. You've got to be able to – I want to see three-second power or ten-second power or cadence or lap average. Like, you need to be able to the, – The more that things like the training peaks integrates into the, into the watch, you'll mm-hmm. see that stuff. Okay. You've got to remember that the people probably designing this aren't the people who are doing structured workouts. It's not until those people liaise with the Apple engineers that that stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, just the last thing I'll say on this. So for people like that are counting calories and like tracking your metrics and all that stuff with, with the Apple Watch, 
what was always a total shit show was that if you wore your Apple Watch on a bike ride and you also had your Garmin, it would double everything. Or what it would do is it would think, the Apple Watch would think that you're going, you're walking. So it's counting your steps as you go on your bike ride because it's confused with what's like, this guy's going really fast around the place. Then you would upload to Garmin and the Garmin would then, Apple would then take that data into the Apple health world and that's where everyone like tracks, the, you know, the rings and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. the. I, I, fami- I have heard of the it? rings. So that's where yeah. people like do their calorie tracking and all that sort of stuff. But it, it was total bullshit because the f- the f- it's taking all the calories that you burnt from the Garmin, but it's also adding in these calories that oh. it you think it's burnt while you were walking on your bike. So hundred kilometer is, walk. Yeah, it was this always this <laughs> stupid workaround, and so your your rings are like spinning like this at the end of the day because it thinks you've burnt seven bazillion calories. Whereas the reason I say that is the re is once you start using the as the watch as an actual bike computer, it knows you're on a bike ride and you're not walking, mm-hmm. and so it doesn't go and count your steps, etc., mm. etc. So you're because people do that. I know people count their calories and all that sort of stuff with them. Yeah. So they use it yep. as a monitoring device. I don't know. Is it using the power meter to calculate the calorie burn on the ride or is it still using some basic sort of heart rate thing which it would be doing for your daily calorie burn? Maybe Comment down below steps. with the answer. I don't know the answer. Should be. Yeah. If it, if, it, if it is, it's going to make your daily calorie burn a lot more accurate anyway. That'd be yeah. good. That's potentially the most tech we have ever talked. Spoken? Talked? My English is on this on this channel. It's not quite the fifty minute club. No, but I feel like we should we should. You can't avoid it any longer, Chris. Yeah. What it's are we about? the mulligan. Oh, you're having a go at me for this. Miller takes a mulligan. All right, explain. <laughs> well, what is your problem? All right, I, I have no issue with this at all. Okay, let's let's go back to the beginning here. For those that don't do criteriums and, and, and don't really know the rules, what happens is in a crit, a criterium, you're doing laps of a smaller circuit. So there are certain reasons during a criterium where they'll let you skip a lap if certain things happen. So, for example, if you get a flat tire, you go over to the pits where there's the spare wheels, you change your wheel over, and they'll let you rejoin in and you get to take one lap out. If you crash in a criterium and you fall over on the ground get back up, dust yourself off. You don't have to go and chase everyone back down. You get to have a free lap because you have what's called a recognized mishap and they'll let you join back in in the next lap. What that doesn't extend to is if there is a crash in front of you which you can then ride around, you don't get to take a free lap, okay? All right, now, here we go. It is, I will admit it is a gray area but... Technically, you have to be involved in the crash. If you have to divert around the crash, you have to chase back on. You don't get a free lap. Now, so, there, so, there's obviously massive gray here. Y- yes. And if, if you have to unclip to go around the crash that's happened in front of you, you have to absolutely have a lap out. I'm, I've, I think this no, is no, – yes, you do. So, no, 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 no. So no. it is open for interpretation. My understanding of the rule is there's a foot, there's a foot down rule. Yep. So what, it, what happens is it creates a bit of like a professional soccer moment where there's blokes taking dives and things like that because what will happen is there'll be a crash and then all the people stuck behind it that were probably not in the, that good of a position in the first place start clipping out and doing kind of fake slide outs and they're, 
oh, it's got caught up and they got their foot down and because it's the, the sort of the, the done thing is if I had to clip out and put my foot down, I get a free lap. Now, I've reviewed the footage. That was There was blokes coming from behind you who were able yeah. to chase back on. And they, you had a free run to the right-hand side. I don't think that's a free lap. You would have had to be a bit more dramatic with the with the. Uh, you you have to ride into it right. and go. Oh, no. oh, sliding out. Okay, I, I I hear your point, and you're right. That was on the line. But in my defence, and I will say a few <laughs> things here. All right, I did have to unclip. To, and if you slow down how close I had to to actually get around that wheel, you'll be quite impressed. But anyway, I didn't know you had to unclip. There's also okay. the fact that in a situation like that, it's not like. We were just in a race and everyone's going along. That was the point in the race where you're going past B grade. So there is there is a bit of as a different environment happening in that stage where my positioning looks worse than it is. Now I'm about eighth wheel, but because we're starting to go through B grade, it looks like I'm about 58th wheel because we're going through. And in those moments, I would argue that there is a little bit more lenience towards safely going around the crash mm-hmm. and then rejoining as opposed to bolting out of it and creating more chaos. You have a – yes, I, I agree, uh, but the rules are the rules and common Thank sense you. doesn't necessarily prevail Never. over the rules. I, I, I do – What mean, are I you do on about? I've seen you take mulligans I in all kinds I have never of- taken a mulligan in my life. Portland no. Creek to the Great South Coast. I've seen you put the hand up. Oh no, I've cra- I, cr- I crashed. Oh, you crashed. That's did a you? that's a ripped that's a ripped right. bib short moment there. Yeah. That's no, that's that's official. Um, now that crit that course. Oh yeah, I totally legitimately I should have been DQ'd for the many many <laughs> mulligans that I took. Whether but that was because they forced you to in a wet crit course across railroad tracks on a off camber left hander <laughs> with. <laughs> 120 yeah. guys hoofing into the corner and there was crashes literally every second lap. Every time that someone went down from me, oh, lap out, yep. lap out. That was taking the piss legitimately. <laughs> you, spend, you spent half the race taking, half, yeah. <laughs> taking yeah. laps out. You've, I, only, you've done 20 of the 40 I laps. on first name basis uh, with the commissaire on that corner. Like, Chris, uh, oh, here I am again. But it is comical off. what ends up happening because you'll have a crash and then there's guys that will they'll unclip both legs and just – They'll be flailing around so they get their recognized. I, I actually don't agree with you. I don't think I don't think it happens enough. I think people write off the their positioning too often and try and chase back and ruin their race instead of taking yeah, generally a lap out. the less experienced guys don't realize that if they just made it were a bit more dramatic, they'd get a lap. Yes. I am with you. <laughs> Well, no, I like it, that one. A good. I'm happy you called me out yeah. for it. We'll, we'll, we'll. It's a certified mulligan. There's no, <laughs> there's no two ways about it. But the other thing is, it, it is weird the stuff that you get a lap out for. So if you drop your chain, mm-hmm. you, you don't get a free lap. But if you get a puncture, you get a free lap. So the rule kind of is, if for those that are interested, if it's something that's out of your control, the commissaire will give you a lap. But if it's just some sort of otherwise random mechanical issue, they say no, that's your fault. You don't get it. You don't get a free lap. So that's the thing. So there's actually, there's actually not that many things you get a free lap for. It's crash, ride into the back of a crash, yeah. or you or you get a flat tire. 
I haven't had a mulligan there for oh, – I, I actually don't remember the last one. Uh, but because what tends to happen in a crit is like you're so in the – like you get in that weird zone of like – and then anything happens, it just doesn't matter. There's, to take that moment and go, actually, probably stupid here, just just chase back. But anyway, my point being, like, I can remember riding there at, like, the end of the race with, like, the worst gears, like gears that are slopping around really, really dangerously. Like, every second shift, it's doing, like, a double, a double chink down and thinking to myself, I can't take a lap out to sort this, so I'm going to ride on which is kind of dangerous now I think about it because, yeah, go to accelerate your gears slip and bring down the entire bunch. Anyway, but that's, yeah, that's kind of on me because I didn't set the gears up yeah. right. You and know? could you imagine the shit show if you're allowed, oh, my gears are skipping, I get all free lap. It's yeah. like, come on. Remember they used to, you used to get suspended for, so if they found if you caused a crash and the tubular had rolled off, you would get a suspension. Yep. Oh, this is before even before yeah, my yeah, era. Yeah. And they, they, you, your really? wheel would be inspected oh. after a crash, and if the tubular had rolled, it was there. It was on you, and you were given. Yeah, you were given a suspension. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know that. There you go. There you go. Well, good on. Back them. in the day. Blew your tubs on, kids. Blew your tubs on. Kids. Yep. Yeah. Last bit of random chat. Mm. Uh, now that you're our. Indoor cycling expert, yeah. Jesse Coyle. Jesse Coyle's indoor <laughs> segment. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the new Tax Neo? I gotta say, right, it's an easy one to dunk on because it's super expensive. It doesn't really do anything that the one from six years ago does. Um, so you know, it is, it is what it is. There's, that Zwift Hub thing has just destroyed the train market, mm. as I, but. Leave it at that. But the, the tax new in particular, I bought one. Before I even knew you, I reckon you had that one. Six years ago. My dad, it's just, my dad uses it now. It's probably done 100,000 kilometers. It sits out in the sun in his place. It's because the tax neo doesn't need to be calibrated. It's never in its life done a spin down or anything. It still works, which is a miracle because the place it's in, it gets really hot. Mm. I'm sure it would have been cooked by now. And it's still accurate. It's still – the 200 watts is still 200 watts. It, it was what, – what they did from a tech point of view and just like the, the durability of the product is is – if I had to list like top five best ever cycling products, the Tax Neo would be one of them. It's just incredible how that thing still works. So I – it's it, it it doesn't really it's a weird spot it's sitting in the market now but they were way ahead of the time. It's a great point though. Like, what price do you put on actual long not longevity but um, the word I'm after? Um, You're like durability. Durability. Yeah. yeah. What price do you put on it? Because okay, does the does the Zwift Hub have? We don't know. Yeah. yeah, is is the Zwift now the Zwift Hub does in auto calibration? Is a six year old Zwift Hub after a hundred thousand kilometers sitting in the sun still going to read accurately and work? And we don't know, but I, I, if it it'd be a miracle if it did. This thing is like, yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, I, just a little tidbit there on the tech. I got nothing bad to say about the Tax Neo. Mm. It is it is the, a goated product. It's kind of like it's a bit of the if you know you know crowd. It's like Tax Neo. It's like yeah. Why didn't they send GP Llama one? 
I'm fascinated by this. So pretty much every other influencer I saw, like Instagram influencers, yeah, I think, I mean, DC Rainmaker got one, but then I saw like, yeah, like not, I wouldn't have thought tech people getting them and doing reviews on them. I just thought that was weird. Like, yeah, I don't know. Has he had issues with, with Garmin in the past that? I just can't imagine not giving him one. It's unless he charges for the reviews. That's the only thing I could maybe. I don't think he does. I don't think he does. So uh, that, I find that hard to believe. It's, it's free advertising just to give him one. He reviews it. It's a it's an amazing trainer. It's going to review perfectly. It's 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 a, it's a great product. Just give it to him. He'll give it the GP Llama sticker of approval, and it's done deal. It's, it's more than free advertising because I think his his stuff is it's beyond that now. Like when when he hasn't done a review of a indoor trainer or power meter it's not an indoor trainer or power meter like it's not you wouldn't buy one if he hasn't tested because you you just sort of well i'm not mm, finished it's not done i I want one that he's approved so i I just think that's a dumb move i yeah there was also other people that got them like i'm not gonna mention so who's so so it's a tax hold on okay so yeah dc rainmaker got one des fit so that's a real triathlon crowd no offense to Desfit, but he's not oh, pulling he's big. big. No, he, he is. He's, he, he uploaded that video five days ago. And it's on five thousand views. Okay, fair enough. So, but he, yeah, it's. I know it's the trio. So it's it's DC, Des, and 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 Shane. That's the sort of the indoor trainer. But they didn't. I feel like they didn't prioritize the YouTube stuff. They went much more Instagrammy. So I saw. Have you seen it on Instagram? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, like people unboxing it. Yeah. That kind of stuff. I'm not going to name the people because it makes it sound like I don't like them. Yeah, that you like them, yeah. No, not what I mean. It's, yeah. No, I will say actually because it's not like this isn't me having a go at him. Um, what's his name? It's um, Derek, the dialed health guy. Big on Instagram, does a lot of the sort of strengthy type stuff, has like reels and things with millions and millions of views. Like, that's fine. He can do that sort of content, but that's not a Shane Miller review. So clearly Garmin have gone, right, we want we want that crowd. Mm. We want the fitness crowd, not the cyclists. The Peloton crowd, probably, if I think about it. All right, Jesse, I reckon that is us done this week. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to me. We will see you next week. See you then. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 